0: Good morning again. Uh, you, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen, even if you're not listening in the morning. Uh, I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Um, I trust that you are anticipating divine appointments that God has already set. Whatever you have on your calendar, I hope there's enough margin in there for the things that God has planned for you today, ways in which He intends to bless you and then use you as a blessing in the lives of others, ways in which he intends to use you as an instrument of his grace, um, ways in which he intends to use you as a mouthpiece, speaking the truth and love into the lives of people who really, honestly, they don't know that God is good, that God is great, that God is gracious, that God's mercies are new every morning, that he's available right now. Um, that all they need do is turn to him. There's nothing more required. Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation, and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon those who believe in him in order that we might walk by faith in the midst of whatever is happening, that we might be people of peace and contentment in the midst of all of life's circumstances. So that's the day we are invited into as God's people today, and let me just encourage you in that. There are Lots of things going on in the world. President Biden has walked back, the White House's walk back of his comments about Russian President Vladimir Putin, um, which the president offered in a speech in Poland um, at the very end where he you know, added some words about uh, Putin not being able to remain in power. That is, according to other U.S. officials, not an announcement of a change in U.S. policy, Uh, in terms of foreign regime change. Um, But there is an envoy who says that the U.S. does seek to ensure Putin suffers, quote, strategic failure in his effort to conquer the people of Ukraine. So um, words matter, the way we use words matter. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but just wanted to bring you an update on that storyline. President Biden has proposed new tax, new taxes on the wealthiest of Americans and a new corporate tax increase as a part of his budget plan. There will be lots of conversation about it. It's not a budget plan that's actually, um, you know, in my view, has much chance of, uh, of success in terms of um, actually passing and finding its way into into life. So how much you pay attention to that at this point is, you know, completely up to you. Um, the federal government, uh, well, via a federal judge, has concluded that there is substantive evidence um, that felonies were committed in, uh, in post-election 2022 um, involvement. And so the January 6th committee uh, has lots of people they want to interview in relationship to that. One of them is Jenny Thomas. She is the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, um, who, by the way, after spending a week in the hospital, did rejoin the court yesterday um, during oral arguments, but he did so over the telephone. A headline that we are not going to get to fully unpack today, but we will do so in the coming days. Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a bill that limits discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in Florida's public school classrooms. Um, And for all of the hand-wringing and hair-pulling out that has gone on over this, uh, you know, quote-unquote, don't-say-gay bill, it's about kindergarten through third grade, (laughs) So I feel like we should have been leading with that. We're talking about children who are like four to eight years old, kindergarten to third grade. They don't have LGBTQ issues. They don't need to know about uh, sexual practices. They don't need to be declaring uh, that they're pansexual or whatever. And they don't need to know what that is. Like there's age and stage appropriate things to talk about. And kindergarten to third grade, not, not the age and stage. So Maybe we should have been saying it was the age and stage legislation, not the don't say gay uh, bill. And that might have helped us in our uh, public talking points. All right. uh, Many of you asking about what is going on with Hillsong. Hillsong, you know, is a um, is a church network. I will describe it that way. Uh, Half or more than half now of Hillsong's uh, U.S. affiliated congregations have left that organization in the past two weeks. There is a lot going on there, um, and every major news outlet is now covering it. So we will circle around to that later in the week as well, once I have unpacked some of those headlines. But right now, we're going to talk with Dr. Brett Nix about some health headlines of the day um, impacting us, um, where we live, and how we live. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
2: My eyes, have seen the and the
0: slow parade All right, Dr. Brett Nix is joining us now. He serves with the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Um, Brett, welcome back.
2: Good morning, Carmen. Great to be here. How are you today?
0: Thank you. I am well. I am well. It is well with my soul. Thank you so much. Um, tell us what um, what is going on with this conviction of a nurse and why it um, Why it matters in terms of our conversations related to medical mistakes and the criminalization of medical mistakes
2: boy, I tell you this is a this is a telling story. Uh, the one that you're referring to for those who may not be familiar relates to a nurse that practiced in the Nashville area, and as a nurse was working in a critical area uh, and had a medication error. she gave a medication that causes a paralysis of the body rather than a sedation and both medications start with the letter V. They're very similar. They're medications that are commonly given in this era uh, of care. And in that process, it led to a patient's death. Now, before we unpack that in great detail, let's step back to 1999. And the Institute of Medicine talked about to err is human and talked about the frequency by which medical mistakes happen in healthcare centers. And then from that process, asked, How do we go about creating? safety checklists and the different types of things that you may see if you're going in for an operation, if you're going into your doctor's office asking about allergies and things. Many of these things are unpredictable related to allergies. We don't know who's going to have an allergy to something until they have it. And so sometimes that is something that's identified. In this circumstance, what happened was the individual was found guilty by a jury, uh, and this was last Friday, uh, claiming that her error was not just a medical error, but that was criminally negligent homicide of that patient. And the challenge creates this amazingly slippery slope for those in the medical profession, this as an example of the nursing profession, where a medical error was criminalized, meaning that it is now something that is typically litigated uh, in a civil court. This was decided in a, in a jury related to a medical malpractice scenario. And the, the concern that we have here as it relates is that num- number one, none of us disagree that medical errors should never happen. Uh, And the systems do the best that they can to navigate through this process to ensure safety checklists and safety of practices. Uh, But just like anything, to err is human. We are not perfect creatures uh, as it relates. Uh, The challenge, however, in this case um, is that what we find more than anything else is this verdict is somewhat a criminalization of practice. uh, And because what we end up finding more than anything else is that there are probably more effective mechanisms and processes to examine these errors than to say that this was something that's criminal. And when we think criminal, we think of somebody who had intent to harm. Uh, and that was not the circumstance. This was a medical error. And so we stepped a substantial uh, step in the wrong direction as it relates to taking something that was known to be a medical error. It was an error in the medication, in the process that in which it was given. And, and quite frankly, like I said before, very, very similar medications. But instead of recognizing this as an error, we took the step in the jury to call this a criminal act, meaning that there was intent to harm. Uh, setting this up though, of course, is huge because what happens now is if someone makes an error, there is a fear or there could be a fear if this if this captures uh, that anyone who's in practice of medicine and makes a mistake is now not just going to have medical malpractice, but is going to be held into criminal charge, which could lead to time in jail, could be obviously loss of license and things along those lines. Uh, the ramifications can be enormous, especially as we look right now, what have we been facing in the COVID era? We don't have enough nursing staff, medical staff to provide safe care to the patients that we have already. And so uh, this verdict is very disturbing across the nursing associations, the health associations, hospital associations. Uh, the reverberations of this could continue uh, if this continues in this process. If, this, if the appeal to this case is not reversed, um, more to come.
0: So um, pardon my ignorance here, um, Brett, on this next question. So doctors carry malpractice insurance. Does it cover doctors for this kind of thing? And do nurses carry malpractice insurance or does this give rise to a whole new industry?
2: Well, that's a great question. Yes, so physicians, doctors will carry malpractice insurance as it relates. Most of the times, as well, from an institutional perspective, uh, people that are hired in will actually have a level of coverage within their organization. Uh, So, the vast majority of nurses don't carry a separate policy individually for these types of things. It is actually portioned within uh, their institution as part of their hiring practice. So, within the group that they have. um, And those things are commonly tied together very closely. Could this potentially create a new industry? Absolutely could. And anytime that we we lead into a legalization of process where we have to go ahead and, and create a new insurance pathway, what do we know that comes with that? It comes at a cost it'll come at a cost of individuals saying, "You know what i can 't do this. The risk associated for me, um, and this is not just financial, but anytime someone makes an error, what we have to recognize is when a medical error is made, the individual that makes it this is not something that they intend to do. This is not something that they want to have happen, uh, but the psychological and the mental impact on that individual, many times uh, leads them to leave leave that career anyway. Uh, It is incredibly devastating going through a legal process where individuals, you know, are are frankly accusing you of, in this circumstance, a criminal act. Um, But yes, this could indeed, if this is something that catches, move forward and, and then now create a whole process where we have to go ahead and not just have malpractice coverage, but we also have to look at how do we now protect those that are trying to provide care to the millions of people in the United States, protect them from a what could be perceived as a criminal act. Uh, this is uh, this is telling, this is concerning, and will certainly have a substantial impact on the ability for uh, Americans to receive exceptionally good health care.
0: For those of you looking for the article, Redonda Vaught is the name of the nurse who has now um, been convicted. um, And uh, this is a case that we will continue to watch as well. Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We're going to continue our conversation with him in just a moment. Do you live in one of America's fattest cities? Mm, We'll find out next. All right. We're talking with Dr. Brett Nix about all kinds of medical headlines. Uh, And so, you know, we turn to the question of uh, uh, obesity in America. Americans are some of the most overweight people in the world, not just stereotypically, but statistically. Um, And so uh, some 40 percent of U.S. adults are obese, that's an interesting definitional um, thing I'm going to ask about now. What exactly does that mean? Um, and where do uh, you know, where does this happen most often? So it's one thing to you know be interested in a list of the fattest cities in America. It's another thing to just look at the scale and say, am I one of them? So, uh, Brett, why um, what is obesity? Why does it matter? And what can we do about it?
2: Well, I tell you, Carmen, it is uh, it is a very large question. Uh, pun was intended. You know, it's amazing. Americans in general find uh, that we have to be at the top of whatever scale. Uh, And when you look at competitions across the globe, other countries, we are near the top of the obesity scale. This is not something that we should be competing in. This is something that we should be dialing back from. And when you look at issues from obesity, there's going to be variabilities, What you will find in general is when we get into the states of morbid obesity, you're looking at somebody's BMI that is greater than 40 There are other characterizations. Some will argue that maybe a BMI of 36 should be what we use in characterizations. And for those who aren't sure about this body mass index, you can go on your phone, your computer, and type in your height, your weight, your age, your sex, and those types of things to get a very clear definition. But without getting into too much detail, as you pointed out, 40% of Americans, uh, American adults are obese. Now, children, we have a very, very high percentage as well, but recognize This actually played out very clearly during our our COVID pandemic. What did we recognize? Well, people have talked about when you're in college, you gain 15 pounds as a freshman. Through our COVID window, for the two years in COVID, and mostly focused on that first 18 months, the average American gained almost 49 pounds. Can you imagine the amount of weight in that space? Now, that's a lot of weight. And regardless of the circumstances, what did we find with COVID? The number one comorbid issue associated with severe illness and death was obesity. And when 40% of our population is obese, we have substantial issues. And so let's unpack this, all right? A few extra pounds here and there may not be substantial, but the average American after about the age of 30 adds about a half a pound per year, uh, somewhere between a half a pound and one pound. So between 30 and 50 over 20 years, you may add on 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, depending on where you're at. It's It seems inconsequential on a year-to-year basis. But that is the drive that we have been seeing some states, because we have shifted to more of a sedentary lifestyle for careers and activities, we don't have as much stuff. a lot of things have been outsourced on the labor uh, end of things, and so our, our society has transitioned. Uh, but in addition to that, what we find downstream is the cost associated with medical treatments and obesity, almost 200 billion dollars a year related to the costs related to medical treatments. because what follows with obesity? High blood pressure, diabetes, sleep apnea. Hypertension. All of these things start to snowball.
0: Yeah, issues with your joints. I mean, I guess I suppose we could go down the whole list. All right, so let's um let's have a little proactive conversation about what not to do and what to do. You sent me two articles: one on artificial sweeteners that falls into the what not to do category, and one on the Green Mediterranean diet, which falls into the what to do category. So, can you cover those?
2: Absolutely. Let's run through real quick the. Uh, the caveat that you will note in the article that came out regarding your comment about the cities and obesity, aside from Texas, which you can consider potentially in the true South, uh, the top 15 cities in the South, the one that broke out of that in number 16 was in Ohio, but recognized cities like Denver and Honolulu and places in Washington and California were not exempt from this top 100 list. So even if you are known to be in an outdoor city there are still issues with it. And why do we see this? Because we have seen a shift in the life of convenience. And I think that most Americans, uh, our lifestyles have picked up pace. And with that pace has come the lifestyle of convenience, which means fast foods, high fat, high calorie, high salt content. And then as you mentioned as well, artificial sweeteners. For those of us who are trying to cut down on the calories, saying, hey, I like a soda on occasion, but I don't want the sugar. I don't want the calories. We've shifted into things like aspartame and sucralose and the different types of sweeteners that you see in these. And one of the the caveats that relates to it is in an article that's come out that's looked at longitudinal. So over time, people that consume uh, high levels of sweeteners um, have identified really a small increase, somewhere in that 10 to 15% increase of all things of cancer, whether that be esophageal, whether that be stomach, relates to to different types of gastric cancers, different types of breast cancers. Um, is Is it a tremendous increase no, but what do we know? Things that are artificial are probably not the best things for our body. And in all things, a balance of it. Does that mean that on occasion having a diet soda is going to cause cancer? No. But if you are a high consumer, meaning maybe several, several of these sodas per day on a routine basis for a long duration of time, you're going to have a 10%, 15% risk of creating a cancer uh, that you otherwise might not have. And now we shifted it into that Mediterranean diet. Most of us have heard of it, right? There's so many different diets that have been out there. But the Mediterranean one uh, that is focused on a lot of the polyphenols, which are really these high-quality uh, things that you'll get out of um, the essential oils and the things that you'll find in the Mediterranean diet related to olives and nuts in, in that space, there's a green Mediterranean diet, which, yes, that means that you're going to go ahead and cut back on the prosciutto and some of the other things that you might find available in that Mediterranean diet. And why is that? Well, there's this ongoing balancing act that if we are looking at the balanced proposition of ecological health, meaning we are going to cut down our carbon footprint, we know that cattle, we know that raising beef in, in those types of industries really create a lot of greenhouse gases, a lot of methane gases. And in general, the, the literature on that is fairly robust. Uh, if you minimize the amount of that and you're able to regentrify, regreen, if you will, plant trees, et cetera, in a lot of those rangelands, perhaps we have the capacity to go ahead and wash the environment, wash the, uh, the air to a greater degree. But what do we know with this? With the green Mediterranean diet, you're going to see a reduction in cardiovascular uh, illness. You're going to see a reduction in associated obesity. These are the types of things that have been known with the Mediterranean diet. The twist is hey, can we be not just healthy ourselves, but can we also create a healthy environment in doing so? Yeah,
0: that's good. So that's the uh, that's the Green Mediterranean Diet, if you want to check that out. Um, all, all kinds of great stuff, Brett, as always. You guys can visit directly with Brett at NixMD.com, also at the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Brett, as always, thank you so much for joining us. We love our time together.
2: Thanks, Carmen. Have a great Tuesday, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Laburge, and this is Faith Radio. Sometimes you see something on a social media platform, and you say to yourself, "Huh, I am. I'm really excited to see that there, but I'm also a little bit surprised." So, on March the fourth, 2022 on the Twitter feed of the University of North Carolina basketball team, there was this, keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. And then in parentheses, Proverbs four twenty-five. In the category of things that make you go, huh, Um, It was interesting to me that a public university like the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill basketball program would be tweeting out a verse of the Bible, along with um, some great pictures of the young men from their team on the court. And so um, it led me to want to know more. And when I want to know more at the intersection of sports and faith, where do I go? I go to Sports Spectrum. And so next up, Jason Romano is going to join us. We're going to talk about some uh, storylines of March Madness at the intersection of sports and faith, but we're also going to talk about some baseball headlines as well. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: Basketball is my
0: favorite sport. I like the way to dribble up and down the court, just like I'm looking on the microphone. So all right, Jason Romano is back. You can find him at sportsspectrum.com. Um Jason, it's great to have you um during this March madness.
1: Yes, good morning, Carmen. How are you?
0: I'm I'm fantastic. I have a new um I I don't baseball, I mean basketball, neither one. Really things I follow closely. Um but I will tell you that having spent the weekend with my parents who love basketball, um I watched more of the NCAA March Madness tournament than I have ever watched in my entire life. Um, and it's possible that I have a new favorite, and that is Hubert Davis. Mm. So he's the first year coach at the University of North Carolina. For those of you who don't know him or his story, um, I encourage you to check it out at Sports Spectrum. Um, he is, is um, yeah, Kevin Mercer has an article up about this first-year North Carolina coach, Hubert Davis, um, how he's anchored in prayer. And I just love, Jason, um, how it talks about his his appreciation for being in the lives of these young men. Um, he's really like a life coach. I mean, he's a basketball coach, but he sort of gets it that being in their lives is what matters.
1: Yeah, Hubert Davis is fascinating to me to watch because he's he's fairly new to the coaching World, You know, Roy Williams, who is the legendary North Carolina coach was was there for many, many years and stepped down and Hubert kind of was an assistant under Coach Roy for many years and stepped in. And a lot of people remembered him from being a player with North Carolina and certainly in the NBA. And then he went into broadcasting and he worked with me. He was at ESPN for many years when I was there. And now to watch him get his chance to be a head coach, certainly the success and the platform of making it to the final four is a wonderful thing. But to watch how he simply wants to be a servant leader is just a wonderful thing. And to see that, he, like you said, he's a life coach. He, he really looks at this as bigger than basketball. Uh, I thought the, the quote he had after they won the other night to go to the final four, he talked about his prayer to the Lord. His prayer to Jesus was that The people that he was coaching, the kids that he was coaching, that good people would be surrounding them in their lives. And I thought that's a really great mindset to look at for young people because so many young people can get caught up with some of the wrong people in their lives. And what a a powerful prayer for all of us to kind of emulate when we think of a head coach in college basketball, to simply pray for the young people that we know, the young people that are in our lives, that good people godly people will be surrounding them on their journey so yeah i'm i'm so impressed with hubert davis and i'll be rooting for him this weekend for sure
0: yeah i just he's my new fave so there you go um all right other other ncaa headlines or personalities that you think we should be um alerted to paying attention to today
1: so i'm going to go over to the women's side And I'm going to have you pay attention to Dawn Staley, who's the head coach at South Carolina, who has been very outspoken about her faith, leads with God in front, and they've been the clear number one team in women's college basketball all year long. And that's a team to watch and and kind of watch how Dawn Staley responds, win or loss. I think she's really a great coach to watch and look at. Another one is Paige Beckers, who is the highly touted, sophomore with UConn, the University of Connecticut, who won an amazing game last night. They went to double overtime and uh and what a game it was to beat North Carolina State. But Paige Beckers was the player of the year in women's college basketball last year. She had some injuries this year, but she has been very outspoken about her faith and giving the Lord all of the glory. And it was really fun to watch her kind of find her groove in the second half and into overtime last night in that amazing game against North Carolina state. So UConn has been to the final Four, I think 16 straight years or 14 straight years, which is just incredible. What an amazing run of success, but watch Paige Becker. She's a really good basketball player, but somebody who's playing for a bigger purpose.
0: One of the things I appreciate at sports spectrum is not only that you cover, you know, maybe the more popular um, or the top, um, uh, ranked teams, but you you cover some um, maybe lesser known um, conferences as well. I thought the Trevor Hudgens piece from Northwest Missouri State, like right, I I don't know what's happening in Division Two basketball at all. Um, yeah, but this piece on Trevor Hudgens, um, you know, giving God the glory first was just great.
1: Yeah, Trevor is an interesting guy because and it's Division Two, which. If you live in that area, right, and in Northwest Missouri State, you know about this team. The
0: Bearcats.
1: The Bearcats, that's right. But if you're living (laughs) around the world or around this country and you're watching the Duke Blue Devils or North Carolina Tar Heels, you might not know a lot about these smaller schools. So we definitely love to highlight the smaller schools, but especially those players that are playing that love the Lord. And this is a guy who, I mean, part of this program, he's a fifth-year senior. He was able to come back, and they won – their fourth national championship in five years. And I loved his response. He was on CBS after the game, and he didn't even know what to say. That's that's exactly what he says. I don't know what to say except glory to God first. And, you know, he talked about praying for opportunities like this and praying for things like this. But what a wonderful opportunity for them to continue their run on a, on a smaller level, but to get an opportunity on CBS, the national network, to play their game and to do well. And then I think, You know, to see him recognize his opportunity, Trevor Hudgens, and to be able to point to God on the biggest stage right after you win a national championship was pretty impressive. And yeah, Division II basketball, trust me on this, that's really good basketball as well. It just doesn't get the same publicity.
0: Sure. I love the instinct. I don't know what to say, so let me just give glory to God first. Like that's a good instinct, like right? That's a good. I wish that were the instinct of more people and so thank you for um highlighting that story as well. We're talking with Jason Romano from Sports Spectrum. You can find the stories we're talking about today and a whole lot more at sportsspectrum.com. Um let's um Jason, let's pivot from basketball to baseball. Um what? Okay, so um, I, I was a little surprised. Andrew Pujols, um, I kind of thought he was retired.
1: <laughs> a lot of people did, but I'm so glad that he's not. And, and this is his last year, he announced yesterday. But how amazing is it that the legendary Albert Pujols would say, you know what? I got one more year. I'm going to sign with the team that gave me my opportunity and that I played almost a decade for, and I'm going to finish this out in the right way. And he's going back to the Cardinals. So it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, watching his final season. And he'll go to all the different stadiums on the road. And those fans will be able to, you know, give him his due and give him his standing ovation and his applause, which will be a really fun thing, I think, to watch. Even my dad, who is a big St. Louis Cardinals fan, called me last night and said, we got to go to a Mets game because we live up here in the Northeast. He's like we got to go see Albert one more time which I thought was such a, a good reminder even my dad who's 70 years old you know understands the uh the blessing if you will call it that of a guy like Albert Pujols who's played 20 plus years in the majors and is a first ballot sure shot hall of famer but also a first ballot human being as well you can read a lot about him not just at sports spectrum but really just google the work that he's done in the community and how he leads with Jesus Christ in front. I mean, he is not just putting the words faith or even putting the words God. He wants to live his life as an example of Christ. And he's been a great ambassador for the Lord in the game of baseball for two decades now.
0: Yeah, if you read about Albert Pujols, let's say on the Crew website, which is, um, uh, he's just highly profiled there um, in a piece called Putting Faith First talks about uh, Pujols beginning his relationship with Christ in 1998 and that his family lives out their beliefs through service um, and what he describes as a, an outspoken faith. If you go to his org, you can just read his personal testimony. He talks about his life goal is to bring glory to Jesus. My life is not mostly dedicated. Oh, my life is uh, not mostly dedicated to the Lord. It is 100 percent committed to Jesus Christ and his will. Um, he talks about you know mm-hmm. having what he has because of um, because of God's greatness and goodness and um, the desire to be used as a conduit of all of that in the lives of others. And yes, there are pieces at sportspectrum.com as well. Um, in June of twenty twenty, um, there was a piece featuring Andrew uh, or Albert Pujols, um, guided by Christ. Um, so there you go. You can uh, you can check out a lot about. Albert Pujols as as the headlines are going to talk about him returning for one uh, one final year of baseball. But there's a whole lot more uh, going on than just that. We're talking with Jason Romano from Sports Spectrum, and we're going to um, circle back around to another baseball storyline when we return. And then I'm going to ask him about something going on with Jason Roy from Building 429. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Game. Take me Jason Romano out. from SportsSpectrum.com is going to take us out to the ball game. We're going to stay in St. Louis. We just uh, talked a little bit about Albert Pujols re-signing for one year um, with the St. Louis Cardinals. We're going to stick with the cards for just a moment and talk about Adam Wainwright, uh, a podcast with he and his wife, Jenny, that you can also find at SportsSpectrum.com. Um, Jason, what do we need to know about the Wainwrights?
1: So you need to know that they are, uh, I would call them the first couple of baseball in a lot of ways, because Adam has been uh, one of the great ambassadors for the game for so many years. Um, Actually, on the cover of our new Sports Spectrum magazine, we did do a podcast with him as well, but we have a quarterly magazine, and on the cover, we put Adam and Jenny Wainwright, and we were able to meet with them at a conference down in Florida a couple months ago before the season started and do a photo shoot and really just sit down with them in person, to get to know not just Adam, who we've had on before as a baseball player, but to really go deeper into the idea of what his family life looked like from a veteran baseball player and his wife who've been married almost 20 years and have five children, and it was unbelievable what we found in terms of the support that Jenny gives in terms of how these baseball players, like Adam, you know, when they're entrenched into a baseball season. That's all they're really focused on. I mean, you can try to find balance in other areas, but it's really hard when you're talking about a long baseball season with a lot of travel, with a lot of demand. And Jenny really picks up the pieces and keeps that family going, as do so many other wives of baseball players and athletes in general when a season is going on. But we were able to sit down with them and talk about, you know, Adam's 40 years old. How much longer does he want to play? And he wants to spend more time with his family, but his kids and his wife both said, listen, If you still have some some, you know, talent left and some time left to play, please go do that. We love watching you play, Daddy. And so he consulted his kids and he decided to return for one more season. And I don't know if it's his last season, much like Albert Pujols, which we just talked about. But knowing that this might be his last season, I think it just gives Adam a great perspective. But hear this story. You'll love this, Carmen. A couple of years ago, Adam made a decision to read through the Bible in a year. And he called it Walking with Waino. That's his nickname, Waino, Adam Wainwright. And he put together 365 days of reading the Bible in a year together, which you know, you just read the Bible. Most There's a lot of those type, you know, read through the Bible in a year type of things. But Adam did it with his commentary, and it kind of forced him as a baseball player, and yes, throughout the year, to read the Bible in a year and to be accountable to that. He had 30 or 40,000 people who are fans of his through social media and other places reading the Bible in a year with him. You talk about using your platform as a baseball player by getting 30 or 40,000 people to read the Bible with you in a year. That's being an ambassador for Christ in a way that I don't think I've ever seen from any other athlete in the 20 plus years I've been doing this professionally.
0: All right. If you want to check that out, you can do it on Twitter at Walking With. Or walking, and then W, Wayno. So it would be walking with Wayno if you just typed it in um, to your Google search bar. Um, that is really extraordinary. Like you can, you can really <laughs> see a lot of what he's, what he's talking about. And he's like continued to walk. He does feature on the twenty first of February, um, just how honored he is to be uh, uh, in the latest Sports Spectrum magazine. You can see the cover there um, on. Adam Wainwright's Twitter feed, which is at Walking with wayno, which is just such a cute Twitter handle. <laughs> I can hardly stand it <laughs> Adam's
1: the real deal he's the real deal Carmen
0: I mean that is really cool all right so um apparently this um this effort to this walking with wayno effort um inviting people to read the Bible with him um is uh is something he's now been doing for a couple of years, and so Um, That is just, that's really cool. I'm so glad to know that. All right. um, Jason, do you have one other uh, baseball or other related headline you want to talk about? Oh, we're supposed to talk about Building 429. Um, Don't let me forget that. Jason Roy. Okay, because this is not really sports, but it's on the spectrum.
1: It is. We we just had Jason Roy. He's the lead singer of the band Building 429. They're one of my favorite bands. I hope those listening to your show uh, enjoy their music as well. They've had a ton of hits and they're just a really great uh, band that points to Christ in their music, which I just love. And it's interesting when you do a podcast and you do two or three interviews a week, you know, most of our shows are focused on sports and sports personalities, you know, you know, athletes and coaches and broadcasters, but every so often I'll be introduced to somebody in the music world or an author or a pastor And, you know, I'm a fan of a lot of people and and, and admire the work that a lot of people do. And I'm always just trying to find, like, what's the sports hook? So when Jason Roy became available, I said, yes, I would love to talk to him about the music world and about his journey. But then I found out the unique connection with sports, which I thought was so fun. He was a basketball player and played a lot of basketball and got hurt. And kind of that moved him into this idea of going into ministry with music full time which was a really fun story to have him share. But then later on, he told the story, and we talked about Albert Pujols. He told the story about the first time that his music was featured at a baseball game. And if you go to a baseball game, you know that a lot of these players, when they're coming to bat, have sort of walk-up music that is played while they go to the plate. And so there's different music. You know, a lot of rock music is played. Well, Albert Pujols decided to use Jason Roy in Building 429's music the song Where I Belong for his walk up music during a game. So I thought, what a unique connection of sports and music, and even kind of coming full circle in this conversation with Albert Pujols being a part of this interview. Because Jason Roy said to me, He, he said, I, I was blown away when I heard that a guy like Albert Pujols wanted to use our music. And I asked him, Have you ever met Albert Pujols? He goes, Now I have, but before I had not known who he was. So I thought, what a great story to share.
0: Okay, so here's an idea for you to share with ESPN. It would be great if, like, when I'm watching a game and that, and the walk-up song, like they're playing their walk-up song, if there was a QR code in the corner of the screen that I could just shoot and then I could get the song because it's too hard That's
1: a really it's, too, good idea. it's too
0: hard for them to say hey if you're interested in this walk-up song it's building fortunately like, they're not going to do like ads like that but it, it costs them nothing and it's to be such a great way of honoring the the artist right because the artist's music is being used but it's not not in a way that i as the viewer like know who's who is singing that what is that song and a little qr code on the screen would be so simple
1: Yes. That's a fantastic idea. I want to call ESPN. I'm going to call Fox, MLB Network. Let's go.
0: There you go. Coming here and talking with me should be a helpful benefit to everything in your life. Like this is this, there should be some reciprocity here. I should be improved. And just as the truth, all I have are ideas and this is the only place I'm invited to share
1: them. Carmen, (laughs) I mean, it's a really good idea. And let's, let's just say this. Remember, if this takes place later this year, you remember where the idea started.
0: There you go. There you go. Uh, no credit <laughs> necessary. But see, like, I think that people hearing that,'re going to see they're, they're definitely going to be watching um, Albert Pujols this year. He's definitely going to the plate. Every time he goes to the plate, this Building 429 song is playing. Wouldn't it be great for people out there in the world to get connected with Christian music by watching baseball and taking a little, you know picture of a QR code? I Yeah know. I, my, I think that This would is be my amazing, secret yeah. genius.
1: Great All right, stuff. I Jason, love
0: it. As, as always, we love having you. Thank you um, so very much for joining us. Have a blessed week. And a and a really, I don't know, wonderful ending to Ma- March Madness.
1: Absolutely. You too, Carmen. Thanks so much for yep. having me. I really appreciate right. it.
0: Absolutely. That's Jason Romano. You can find him at sportspectrum.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. We'll be right back. The Willy,
2: Mickey and
1: the Duke.
0: Okay, Paul Perot produces this program. He's the one who picks almost all of the music. We do almost. let our guests pick their own walk-up song. So, what are we listening to right now, Paul?
1: Uh, well, this well, this
0: is mm-hmm. best new our uh, best new ever news ever by Mercy Me. Yeah, there you go. So, um, if you're looking at your app and you're wondering why we don't have a QR code for that, it's because I just thought of it. There yeah, you go. We got we to so, work on that. Yeah, the, the, that'd be the so fun, is, right? It, yeah, it is. But the problem would be okay. I do a lot of the stuff on the fly. To put that on our app with a, I don't know, that'd be be a lot of work. Uh, Well, I'm not trying to create work. I'm (laughs) just trying to get people the info they want about the music they're hearing. So um, that was Mercy Me, one of my favorite bands. Um, And I, um, yeah, I appreciate Christian musicians. Maybe you haven't thought um, very much about how blessed we are to live in a day and time where there's so much really good God-honoring music and so many good God-honoring athletes and um, and musicians, professionals in so many industries. Um, you are God's agent of grace in whatever part of the world you're walking in today. And so every time your foot falls, um, I want you to recognize that you are in some way reclaiming that square inch for Jesus. Let's just be praying our way through the day, um, one square inch at a time um, for Jesus, that, that the kingdom uh, in heaven would be here on earth.